Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day, explained and analysed by The Times of London. Today with Stuart Willey and Lou Newton. They're some of the world's most powerful men, and now court documents linked to convicted paedophile Jeffrey Epstein offer more insight into his famous friends. Former U.S. President Bill Clinton has been named in newly unsealed court documents relating to the convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein. So the documents relate to a defamation case brought by Virginia Guffrey against Jelaine Maxwell in 2015. That case is already settled. And of course, Maxwell was convicted in 2021 of aiding Epstein in his abuse of minors, and she's now serving a 20-year sentence. But the details of the file in the Guffrey case weren't public knowledge. There were names, you know, that were censored. And now, because of an appeal, they've been steadily unsealed by the orders of a judge. The documents include a deposition by Jenna Schoberg. Will Pavia, the Times correspondent in New York, told us we don't really learn anything new. Jenna Schoberg says that at some point Epstein tells her Clinton likes them young, referring to girls, she said. So there's a few sort of glancing but, you know, potentially explosive references, I suppose. I, w- I would think that the newest stuff really is Joanna Schoberg, who was a sort of witness. She was recruited as a college student by Maxwell, so she says, in about 2001. I think, you know, the, the reference that sh- in, in Schoberg's deposition to Clinton, it's, I mean, it's hearsay. And I, I think that, that his camp will maintain that he only had very limited contact with Epstein. He took four trips with him for his Clinton Foundation, met him twice in New York and hasn't seen him since. So that, that's been their position. There are also details about how David Copperfield went to dinner at Epstein's house. Stephen Hawking visited his island and Michael Jackson went to his house in Palm Beach. And all these details are part of the release of 40 documents of an expected 250, with more due to be made public in the coming days. So for more details and analysis on what we know so far, head to the Times' app and website. It was a shock admission, a senior politician warning that elections in Europe could be more dangerous than the American ones. Josep Borrell, calling voters hormonal, said they would vote based on fear, not facts. And that fear, migration. He's the EU's foreign policy chief. And just before Christmas, he was referring to the rise of populist and hard right parties. Then there's irregular migration numbers at the highest they've been in years. And then there's a worry that a new bridgehead heading for Europe has moved from Tunisia. Since November, there's been a shift. Suddenly, Libya is again the main launchpad. Tom Kington is the Times correspondent. He told The World in 10 that EU countries are on high alert. About 3,800 Bangladeshis made the journey 
from Libya in November, December. So sizable numbers. Joining them have been Syrians, Pakistanis, uh, Egyptians. Uh, if you're an EU policymaker and you consider migration to be a threat uh, in these numbers, then it perhaps doesn't matter where it's coming from, Tunisia or Libya. But certainly, I think that it's going to alert EU governments to a tricky situation in Libya. So I think we should expect more sailings out of Western Libya in the new year. And suspicions arising that the movement of people could be Russia pushing migrants into the EU. And Tom told us it wouldn't be the first time Putin had done that. We've seen instances of this in Belarus and most recently in Finland, where Russia seems to be pushing migrants across the border into the EU, hoping to destabilise politics in the EU. The way it would work, I suppose, is Russian operatives in Libya, in North Africa in general, working with local politicians who perhaps have ties to people traffickers, uh, encouraging that trade facilitating it, making sure that nothing's stopping it. It's, you know, it's all part of Moscow's recipe for creating instability uh, amongst its enemies. Polling suggests hard-right nationalists and conservatives could be the second largest group in the European Parliament after elections in June. Yesterday's blast in Iran worried many, and as tensions grow in the region, people now think responsibility for the attack may lie inside the country. The cemetery in southern Iran was crowded as thousands came to pay their respects to an Iranian general, Qasem Soleimani. But then two explosions ripped through the crowd, killing nearly 100 people. One man there told The Times about the panic after two powerful lethal blasts, describing children among the dead, clothes soaked with blood. People had gathered for a memorial marking the anniversary of General Soleimani's assassination by the US, and Iran has vowed revenge. This is Iran's president, Ibrahim Raisi, here warning what he calls the Zionist regime, that it will pay the price for this crime. But the USA, there's no indication Israel was involved and denied that it was behind the attack. With the region on the brink of escalation, we asked the Times' correspondent, Richard Spencer, who could be responsible for the attack. Attacks like this do happen in Iran, though not on this scale. I mean, this is the biggest in Iran for, I think, 30 or 40 years. But yes, there have been uh, explosions, uh, attacks on um, religious sites, on shrines from militant groups, and particularly ISIS uh, has attacked in Iran uh, quite recently. Uh, there's also sort of separatist groups in Iran. Um, there's a separatist group based on the Baloki area of eastern Iran, which is near the Pakistani border. There have been groups in there which have carried out attacks on mosques. Likewise, there have been uh, groups in, in the Arab-speaking areas of western Iran that have uh, carried out attacks. So there are many possible um, culprits for this particular sizable uh, bombing. And today, the turmoil in the region has spread further, with another drone strike in Baghdad, Iraq, killing the high-profile leader of a pro-Iranian militia. Abu Taqwa headed the al-Nujaba militia that the United States blames for attacks on American soldiers since the Gaza conflict began. Iraq's prime minister hit out at the US, accusing it of a dangerous escalation. The stabbing of acclaimed writer Salman Rushdie back in 2022 was a huge shock, especially as the novelist was famously in hiding for years and protected by security after a fatwa or threat to his life was declared against him by Iran's Ayatollah Khomeini. 
Now the court case against the man accused of stabbing him has been postponed and it's down to the memoir that Mr Rushdie has been writing about the incident. The Times' West Coast correspondent, Kieran Southern, told us lawyers for the accused man, Hadi Matar, want to read the book before its release. The judge agreed with Matar's lawyer that he should be allowed to see the material compiled by Sir Salman Rushdie regarding the attack which occurred in New York. Prosecutors had tried to sway the judge and said, you know, there were so many witnesses to this attack, Rushdie himself could testify and was even caught on camera. But the judge has decided that as part of the discovery process, the defendant has a right to access this material. Rushdie's memoir is titled Knife Meditations After an Attempted Murder and it's due for release in April. Apparently, prosecutors have asked for a manuscript after finding out about the book, but Rushdie's representatives declined that request on intellectual property grounds. Kieran tells us there's no new date set for the trial, but the prosecutor says the delay will not change its eventual outcome. to sports and I've taken the lead on this today so we're going to talk about one of the most popular sports in the world. This has to be football there there can't be anything more popular than that. Okay well technically this is e-sport but I convinced our editor to let us discuss it as our sports story so that's what we're doing (laughs) and are you ready? It's... It's Tetris Oh, I know this story. Uh, Tetris is arguably the world's biggest selling game. Half a billion copies. So I think it's pretty safe to put it in the eSports category. And something that was previously thought to be impossible has happened. Oh, oh, oh my God! That was the sound of Willis Gibson's sheer disbelief and joy when he beat the game. He calls himself the Blue Scutty online, and he's the only person to have ever reached the game's kill screen, which is where all the blocks fall so fast that the game crashes. He's only 13 years old. He was live-streaming when he reached level 157. As well as being the only known person to have ever done this... He set a world record for the longest Tetris game ever played, 38 minutes. I can't feel my fingers. Before him, only an AI tool had reached this level. And then afterwards, he did an interview and said that his nerves set in after half an hour, but that if you set your mind to something and try hard enough, you'll most likely get it. And I think that's lovely and something we should all live by, Stu. Absolutely right. Now, before this becomes the world's longest ever 10-minute podcast, it's time for us to say goodbye. Thank you for taking 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the help of the Times of London. See you tomorrow. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.